This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where most of the state has entered a new stage of reopening Florida. It's not phase two just yet, more like phase 1.1. As of today, big changes at restaurants, retail shops, gyms, sports facilities. But theaters and movies are still closed unless they're the drive-in type, bars as well. We'll get the details from the governor. The latest count from the state health department shows 45,588 confirmed cases of COVID-19 in Florida, 2,049 fatalities. 883 of the people who died were residents or staffers at nursing homes or adult living facilities. Ron DeSantis continues to face questions about the failure of the state's unemployment compensation system, and they appear to be getting on his nerves. After announcing plans for the next stage of the reopening, the governor was annoyed that reporters wanted to ask about unemployment instead. Does anyone have any questions about kind of Florida's reopening? DeSantis also tried to take some heat off his administration for the failure of the system by blaming the people who applied and had their claims rejected. Now that Floridians are getting back to work, Senate Democrats say the legislature should join them. Senator Gary Farmer is calling on the governor to bring lawmakers back to the Capitol for a special session to fix the unemployment system, expand health care coverage during the pandemic, and make it easier for people to vote by mail later this year. We are physically here to demonstrate to the governor and to our legislative leadership we are ready to get back to work. Just as Floridians are going back to work, it's time for our legislature to do the much needed work to help Floridians. You'll hear from Farmer, the governor, Senator Perry Thurston, and Senator Jason Pizzo as we take another deep dive into Florida's unemployment fiasco. In non-COVID news, we have our first tropical storm of the new hurricane season, which doesn't actually begin until the first of the month. Tropical Storm Arthur started off the coast of Cape Canaveral and is headed away from us. And there's a new poll from Florida Atlantic University that shows Joe Biden with a six-point lead over Donald Trump in the Sunshine State. We'll also have your daily calendar of political events and the latest from Florida Man, the aquatic version. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Monday, May 18th. Welcome to the next stage of reopening Florida. If you're in Broward or Miami-Dade, welcome to Phase 1. If you're in the rest of the state, you're now in Stage 2 of Phase 1. Just think of it as the Stage 1.1 after the first upgrade's been applied to the program to patch the errors. Governor Ron DeSantis made the official announcement in Jacksonville on Friday. We are going to move in effective Monday into what I would call a full Phase 1. Some of the things that we, we could have done but didn't do initially, uh, we are now adding, and I think that this is appropriate given the progress that, that Florida's made. I think it's fully consistent with our safe, smart, step-by-step approach. It doesn't mean the disease is gone. doesn't mean that we're not going to still have to do things to be able to protect the folks that are the most vulnerable. Uh, but the American people never signed up for a perpetual shelter in place. And we need to be able to get society functioning again. All you gym rats will be glad to hear that fitness centers can now reopen. The governor decided it's okay for them to open their doors as long as people abide by social distancing norms and wipe down their gear when they're done. Gyms uh, can operate. Uh, Make sure that you have the respect the social distancing capacity. Uh, I would say for some of these places like CrossFit that do outdoor training, that's great. Uh, The outdoor stuff. Again, that's a, a, a lower risk environment in an outdoor than if you're inside a stuffy room in a gym doing something where you know, you're going to potentially be exposed to, 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 to respiratory droplets. So we would tell people, just like how the restaurants are seating, 
I've seen people out in CrossFit and all these other ones doing things outside. That's fine. If you're inside, make sure you're doing the social distance and then sanitize machines and surfaces after use. I mean, that should be happening anyways. I mean, if you're sweating on the dip bar, clean the dip bar when you're done doing dips. I mean, come on. But I think it's important. And CDC was really about close the gyms. And I was like, okay, you know, look, I, I tried to, to, to work constructively. But you think about it. This is a respiratory virus that tends to attack people who have, who have some health problems or who aren't as in good physical condition. So don't we want people to be getting exercise? Don't we want people to stay in shape? It's going to actually make them more resistant to severe consequences. So I think this is good. I think it's important. And, uh, and that'll start on Monday as well. The Gov is also relaxing limits that have been imposed on restaurants. During Phase 1, they were limited to outdoor seating with social distancing, and indoor dining was limited to 25% capacity. Now, during Phase 1.1, they can go up to 50% capacity. He's also increasing the capacity limits on retailers and shops. We had started uh, initially outdoor seating six foot apart with 25% indoor capacity. Uh, we are now going effective Monday to operating up to 50% capacity. And a lot of that is based off the spacing of the tables or if you have some type of partition, because I've had some restaurateurs tell me, hey, I got plexiglass, my booths, I can't move them, but I have plexiglass. That's fine. That's effective. All we're trying to do is create a low-risk environment. And I really appreciate a lot of the uh, folks that own restaurants who have been thinking deeply about this throughout this crisis. A lot stayed open to do takeout, but some didn't, and some are more conducive to dining. That's just what they have to do. We also, I think, the outdoor seating has been interesting. You've had some cities where they've closed parts of the street so that people can have more room to do outdoors, and that's just based off the science that this thing is not as transmissible outdoors as indoors in an enclosed environment. So I think that that's something that a lot of the people in the restaurant industry were hoping for. I think it can be done safely. A lot of other states already went to that right off the bat. And the same with retail. We started off with 25% of indoor capacity, uh, go to 50%. There's very clear guidance from CDC and OSHA, and I know a lot of the retailers have been doing it. And look, we were doing retail in some form or another this whole time. You had Home Depot open, you have Walmart, you have all these places open. So there's not a whole lot of difference to me between going into a Home Depot or going into a Joanne Fabric or some of these other places. I mean, you can do it, and particularly for our smaller mom-and-pop retailers, you know, very, very important for them to be able to, to have safe options for their customers. The governor says this new phase of Florida's reopening also includes professional sport franchises, and he's renewing his invitation to teams from other states to train and play their games here in Florida if they can't do it in their own state. Any Florida team basketball, hockey, baseball. You obviously could, could train uh, all you want, basketball. I know the NBA, some of these places are thinking about getting back in. Go ahead and train, no problem. And then once the season starts, you're going to be able to use our venues, use the venues. We want you playing. I've also said to other teams and other leagues is if you have states that simply are not going to budge and allow even competition with no fans. You know, ESPN in the morning now, you watch, they have Korean baseball on. There's nobody in the stands. So how is that? That's not going to bother anybody. So I think it's important that we get sports back up and running. The mayor and I worked on bringing UFC to Jacksonville. And what was happening was UFC was running into problems in California, some of these other places. They wouldn't let them do it. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, they want to fight in an empty arena. They test the people before they go. That is as low risk as you get. 
And so I said, if you do, I'm 100%. We reach out to UFC. We said, guys, come. And I think it's been very successful. And then now what happens is UFC knows they have a welcome environment here in the state of Florida, just like WWE knows. And we had to cancel WrestleMania in April. That's hundreds of millions of dollars of economic impact. You know, we've, we've allowed them to keep using their training center and, and film. You know, they know Florida is a good place to be. We're going to get a WrestleMania back here, you know, as soon as we can and get that economic impact. But any of these uh, teams in other states where they're just not going to let, let them play, uh, we have additional facilities here. I've already spoken to some of the universities, uh, and I think it would be uh, it would be fine if people want to use we use facilities here. We, we we welcome it. We think it's very important to do and to get back going. And I know some of the leagues are working on when they come back. Baseball maybe July. I know the NBA. Some of the players are talking about we got to get back on it. So we'll see what happens. But. Uh, we want, we've, I think, done a good job of welcoming this stuff done. But bars, theaters, and movies are still shut down for now, except for drive-ins. The governor says drive-in movies are safe because everyone is self-isolating inside their cars. But there really aren't many of those places left anymore. According to the website Trips to Discover, there are seven drive-in movies still operating in Florida. They're in Dade City, Tampa, Fort Lauderdale, Lake Worth, Lakeland, Ocala, and Ruskin. Next up on Sunrise, the governor responds to criticism of the state's unemployment system by blaming the people who lost their jobs during the pandemic and are now desperately trying to feed their families and pay the rent and mortgage. You're listening to the Sunrise Podcast from Florida Politics. Florida Hospital Association members are safe, ready, and equipped to care for all Floridians. As our hospitals resume elective procedures, ensuring the safety and well-being of our patients, employees, and communities remains our first priority. Contact your local healthcare provider for information on visitation policies, access restrictions, and how to get needed care safely. Please visit the Florida Hospital Association at fha.org/covid for more information. Welcome back to Sunrise. When Governor DeSantis held a press conference in Jacksonville to announce the next step in reopening Florida, he was a bit frustrated because the very first thing reporters asked about had nothing to do with the feel-good recovery story he was trying to pitch. They wanted to know what was going on with the unemployment system. What do you say to people who have been waiting for weeks and months to have their, their claims well, We've paid out close to $2 billion in unemployment. Uh, we had a, a system that was a disaster. It was designed to have 1,000 people on at a time, and it could surge to 5,000 people. That was what it was designed for. Well, when you stop the economy, you had 100,000 people trying to access the system. So the system broke. So we had to make a decision about how do you go forward with this? Because people were really, this is not just a normal recession type thing. There was a lot of upheaval. And, and I know it wasn't an easy situation because there was a lot of stress. Uh, but I think that given the hand that we were dealt, uh, we made the decisions necessary to get money going. And I know that that's made a big difference uh, for a lot of people. I've been waiting since mid-March. Who, who's been waiting? I'm getting emails every day. Can you give me the, I the names? I send, I send every day to DEO. I send examples. And so what have they said? DEO has told me that they're looking through these claims, and yet we've heard nothing. You've said the DEO is looking through social media and is watching news reports. Well, do you have them with you? Can you I give do. them to me? I do, absolutely. Okay, do it. Because I can tell you that... DEO goes through this, and nine times out of ten, the application's incomplete. And I think if you have applied in, in that time period and your application's complete and you qualify, 
Uh, I think 99.99% of those folks have been paid. If you don't put a social security number in or you don't put the wages in, there's just certain requirements, then you do it. So what they have found is when they go back and do it, then some people are like, oh, okay, then they'll go fix it and then they can go, or some people just aren't eligible for it. So, But I would like to get those names because it's important that we go based off the actual facts, the actual eligibility, not anecdote, not just somebody that put something out. And that's why they've been so proactive about reaching out when they find these different stories to say, okay, what, what, how can we help? How can we do this? And, um, and I will tell you, a lot of the applications have been incomplete. So especially if you're in that Mar late March period, uh, you should have been processed by now if your application was complete and if you're eligible. Think about that for just a moment. The governor is basically saying the 436,000 Floridians who have had their claims denied so far are either committing fraud or don't know how to fill out forms correctly. That's more than one out of every three applicants. But Senator Gary Farmer says the unemployment system itself is designed to reject claims and lawmakers should return to Tallahassee for a special session to fix it. Day after day after day, dozens of Floridians call our legislative offices. They are crying. They are yelling. They are afraid. They are frustrated. The vast majority of them have never been unemployed and have never made an unemployment claim in their life. And at the one time that they find themselves in need and they turn to their government, we are failing them. We need to act immediately to increase the level of assistance, provide resources to eliminate the backlog, and treat our people with the respect and compassion that they deserve. The delays and inadequacies in unemployment assistance and the lack of access to affordable health care are failures that we must act to correct immediately. But there are also grave problems on the horizon that we must take action to prevent as well. Medical experts are forecasting that the threat of COVID-19 will persist and possibly resurge in the fall. This means that we will be faced with preventing the spread and protecting our vulnerable populations while simultaneously holding a primary election and a presidential and statewide elections in November. The right to vote is one which establishes the foundation of our democracy. And we have an obligation to ensure that all eligible voters have access to the right to vote while also ensuring the good health of our communities. Ensuring safe access to this sacred right is a duty that we have as elected officials. The best way to fulfill this duty will be to provide for the delivery and return postage of vote-by-mail ballots to every eligible voter in our state. Let me be clear. We are not calling for an election that is only vote-by-mail. But we do believe that we should act now to automatically send every registered voter in the state of Florida a vote-by-mail ballot. Give voters the option to safely exercise the right to vote so that if there is a, a surge in the fall, they are able to enact and, and exercise their right to vote without risking infection in themselves and without risking the health of poll workers. This is the only way we can address this problem and it must be done by amending our statutes. Changes to the election laws that we need seen implemented in Florida cannot be done merely by executive action. Again, we call on the governor and the leaders of the chambers to call a special session 
and let the legislature get back to work, just as Floridians will be going back to work. Many Floridians who've been frustrated by the unemployment system haven't had much luck getting assistance online, and the call centers don't appear to be helping much. There are a lot of questions they simply cannot answer, and their biggest accomplishment so far is helping applicants reset their PIN numbers to get into the computer system. Senator Jason Pizzo says legislative offices are being flooded with phone calls and emails from people who cannot get through to the unemployment agency or to the governor's office. We fielded thousands of people. The greatest frustration that you all must recognize and realize is you've heard anecdotally about individual stories. You'll see them on the news. You'll carry them yourselves. But it's it's us <clears throat> that talk to the moms who are desperate and want to take their lives and walk into oncoming traffic. It, it's us that, that hear from cancer patients in our community who can't buy medicine. It's us that hear kids crying in the background when desperate dads can't, can't provide for their kids. So we gave everyone the burden of staying home. But we didn't give them the benefit of a promise that was made both by their state and by the companies that they work for to be able to enjoy. I'm not talking about a lavish lifestyle characterized by others. I'm talking about human decency. I'm talking about the able, the ability to, in the third largest state in the world's wealthiest nation, to be able to eat. Just to be able to go to bed and not worry about being evicted and, and being thrown out. And we keep waiting to the midnight hour on all these decisions. We had to push and push and push just to get an announcement that the eviction moratorium would yet again be extended. Senator Perry Thurston says the governor could increase benefits by executive order, but he won't. So he believes the legislature should return to the Capitol to fix the unemployment system, draw down more federal money for health care by expanding Medicaid eligibility, and pass an elections law that will make it easier to vote by mail later this year. This faulty system that's causing good, hard-working Floridians to suffer that's no surprise. That's no surprise because in 2011, when this system was implemented, all of my colleagues voted against it. This is just wrong. And I have a simple message as well. My simple message is pay the damn claims. Pay them. If you're worried about fraud, go back and look up that after it's over with, after you compensate these people. We're going to put them back to work and we haven't even bothered to give them what they were promised, what they negotiated for, what their contracts called for them to have. They did their part. We need to do our part. It's no surprise when you know that it's coming. And, and, and we're just not that bright. We just cared about those individuals who were unemployed and what they would receive. Let's deal with these issues. These are the type of issues that people understand is the need for a special session. Let's call it. Let's deal with this unemployment uh, disaster. Let's deal with the preparation of our next election. Let's deal with the fact that we need to protect the health of our citizens. The time for our leadership to step forward is now. Thurston and his fellow Democrats say they're going to have to return to Tallahassee anyway to plug a hole in the new state budget that takes effect in July. The hurricane season hasn't started yet, but Tropical Storm Arthur formed off the coast of Florida Saturday. Don't worry, it's headed away from us, but dangerous surf conditions and rip currents are expected to spread north from Florida to the mid-Atlantic states during the next few days. The storm is tracking offshore, headed generally in the direction of the outer banks of North Carolina. Some troubling news for the president in a state he needs to win to get another term. A new survey of Florida voters shows Joe Biden has a six-point lead over Donald Trump. The Florida Atlantic University poll found Biden with 53 percent, Trump 47 percent, which is outside the margin of error. Trump and Biden were pretty much tied in the last two polls that were conducted by FAU. 
Your political calendar of events begins at 9 o'clock when the Board of Occupational Therapy meets by conference call. At the same time, the nominating commission for the 8th Judicial Circuit will interview seven candidates for judge. The 8th Circuit is made up of Alachua, Baker, Bradford, Gilchrist, Levy, and Union Counties. And the Tallahassee Community College Board of Trustees will hold an online meeting at 2.30. Finally, it's time to check in with Florida Man, the aquatic version. A Florida man is stuck on a boat during the coronavirus pandemic and is wondering if he'll ever be able to get home to Winter Springs. Taylor Grimes was working at a jewelry store on a cruise ship when the crisis started in mid-March, and he's been stuck there for eight weeks. He needs to get two back-to-back negative results to get cleared and sent home. Grimes' mother told CNN he's been tested eight times. The first two were positive, the third was negative. Test number four was positive, followed by another negative test and then a positive. They are still waiting for the results of the final two tests. Or at least they hope they're the final ones. And authorities in Lee County are looking for a Florida man who decided to go for a swim in a giant fish tank inside the Bass Pro Shop in Estero. Deputies issued a trespassing warrant for 27-year-old Daniel Armanderes after he posted a video on his Facebook page showing him diving headfirst into the oversized aquarium full of native fish. He spent about 10 seconds in the tank before fleeing the shop and taking off in a silver sedan. That's it for this episode of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics.